Today on The Daily Charge, our first look at the new and improved Galaxy Fold, Impossible Burgers now at a store near you, and WeWork's Wi-Fi is woefully weak. Good morning, and welcome to CNET's Daily Charge. It's Thursday, September 19th. I'm Joni Salzman. I'm Alfred Ng. And here are today's stories. WeWork likes to pitch itself as a rising tech giant, but the company apparently isn't so tech savvy to put protections on the Wi-Fi it offers at the offices it rents out to people just looking for a place to work. And that's exposing astronomical amounts of data. Alfred, what's going on here? So WeWork's Wi-Fi, um, everyone is on the same Wi-Fi network with the same password that goes on at every building. So if I know the password from one WeWork, I know the password at like the majority of WeWorks in New York City. So A, not safe. Really bad. And also they don't do basic security things on their Wi-Fi network like client isolation. So if I go on the Wi-Fi at a hotel room, right, I can't see what everyone else is doing on that same Wi-Fi if they have like client isolation, which just says, I can only see what's on my own like traffic. I can't like peep onto other people's traffic. It's a very basic security measure. Most hotels are doing this. Most places with shared Wi-Fi are doing right. this. WeWork does not. Uh, a company that is uh, valued at $46 billion with uh, more than half a million members uh, you know, working out of there every day with all these startups that have these sensitive uh, documents on their uh, network does not provide basic security measures like that. They do provide something uh, called a private VLAN, where, which is similar to it, but it's a little bit more secure. Uh, if you want to pay an extra $95 a month and $250 for setup, even though people already pay like more than $1,000 for rent there, uh, they are not providing uh, wireless security measures. So right. we've seen a lot of really sensitive documents um, from these startups. I had seen um, like bank account passwords, uh, login information, like insurance policies, uh, right. job applications. One of the things in your story that really stuck out to me is that it's not only people who work at WeWork and are using their Wi-Fi. It's also people are exposed if they simply unknowingly send something to somebody that's working at a WeWork on the Wi-Fi. Is that right? Yeah, we had seen um, companies that had never worked out of a WeWork, but their files were exposed on WeWork's network because they were working with startups that had been at WeWork. I remember calling some of these companies and saying, hey, do you work at a WeWork because your documents are on their um, like network? And they said, no, we've never, like we're based out of Connecticut. We've never been in a WeWork. Right. And it turns out, hey, like they worked with somebody that did. So even if you never set foot in a WeWork, like if you're working with somebody that does and doesn't you know, put on these like security measures, uh, your documents are probably exposed on WeWork's network. So the things that you found, you only got just a tiny snapshot of yeah. the possible things that could be exposed. Mm -hmm. um, in that snapshot, you saw things that are on like the really ridiculous, well, ridiculous in two different ways. Ridiculous for being like silly and also ridiculous for being like, I can't believe that that's just out there for people to grab if they know how. Yeah, one of the photos uh, that I had seen there was a birthday card with like a <laughs> Photoshop of Nicolas Cage's face on a cat. Um, pretty harmless to be exposed on the network, but there were other documents there. Um, like I had mentioned, bank account passwords, job applications, um, lawsuits were on it because there was a there's like law firms based yeah. out of that WeWork, like a startup like law firm, like it's just there. And I saw a lawsuit related to it. And I'm like, oh. That should not be just openly on the network like that. Right. Well, moving on. You may remember the first round of reviews for Samsung's Galaxy Fold phone didn't go so hot. 
Some reviewers thought the screen had that little sheet of plastic you're supposed to peel off when you get a new phone. Yeah, that wasn't what it was. It was a protective layer. It was integral to the design and a bunch of reviewers ruined the nearly $2,000 phone. But the new redesigned fold is finally out and there are a few tweaks. What's different? Uh, unfortunately, the noticeable uh, <laughs> protective layer is now gone. So I can't break the phone uh, by just peeling it. Um, I think they have more like secured seals at the edge of the display now, uh, plastic caps at the two points to keep dust out. You know, you really shouldn't have a $2,000 phone that exactly. can be defeated by dust. Um, and then the hinge, like that gap is a little bit smaller, which I guess is something people might have complained about. Um, I but other than that, I think the phone is the same as it same as it was. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how easily it breaks just by folding it, which you're supposed to do um, <laughs> anyway, which is like its main feature. Um, maybe it'll still break. I don't know. But I think we've had, there's been like better reviews of it this time around. Yeah. 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 And finally today, the Impossible Burger. It's moving to grocery stores. The fake meat was the buzz of CES this year, and previously it was only available in restaurants. But it may not be at a grocery store near you quite yet. Just 27 Gelson's supermarkets in Southern California will get it starting tomorrow. The company says it'll add more stores on the U.S. East Coast later this month, and it should be available in supermarkets across the U.S. by the middle of next year. So a 12-ounce package will cost $9.00. What do you think? I mean, I'll probably buy it, like, just to see how it is. I'd rather get that than, like, go to a yeah, Burger King or something that has it. Um, yeah, I actually, too. the Burger King near my house was offering it, and I walked in, and I was hit with this air of, like, fast food just, like, blasting me, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm good. And I turn around, <laughs> like, I'm just going to wait to cook this in the comfort of my own home one day. Right, yeah, yeah. and that's maybe one of the plus sides is that uh, their mission is to replace... It's a it's an ambitious mission. It's to replace animals as a meat technology by like 2030. That sounds extremely like that. dystopian when you frame it that way. <laughs> they want to get rid of the animals out of the food chain, um, and if they're going to do that, it can't just be in restaurants. So yeah. Um, also, just eat vegetables. That is, people have been doing that way before this uh, fake meat trend. So I don't understand why everyone's jumping on this now when you can literally just eat vegetables instead. Yeah, people. The thing is, people don't just like vegetables. People like meat. I don't. I don't <laughs> eat meat, but people like meat, and that's probably why. For the Daily Charge, I'm Joni Salzman. I'm Alfred Ng. Thanks for joining us. Can't get enough. Check out The Daily Supercharge, our extended post show with special features, audience Q&A, and in-depth reviews. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.